welcome to the very first episode of Breaking Mayberry, colon, Bottle Episodes. The Baywatch Knights of our show. The show that takes the regular Breaking Mayberry idea and gets sexy. (laughs) Why did you make so much eye contact with me on that? (laughs) We're going to ride this out all the way through. Yeah. Prolonged eye contact for the entire time. (laughs) Yeah, we really jumped from, like, the pure sexlessness of the Andy Griffith show to just the horniest television show in the history of humanity. We are, of course, talking about I Dream of Genie. Uh, I'm one of your hosts. I'm Marty Schneider. I'm that other host, Dan Ludwig. And the other thing that we're going to be doing differently for uh, Breaking Mayberry colon bottle episodes, besides talking about a different show, is we're going to have some guests come along this journey with us. Uh, our guest today is Emily Gindelsberger. Formerly of the AV Club, current published author. Yeah. And, and we're going to talk about your book in just a second. Thank you for coming on board with us. Oh, thanks for having me. Actually, let's go ahead and uh, get into your book that you, real quick. Um, it has been just a second, so <laughs> <laughs> I can launch into it. All right. So uh, you, wrote, you wrote a book called On the Clock, which I'm reading right now. Yay. I just got through the section on Amazon. It's very good. Thanks. Um, I really enjoy it. So. Can you tell us, uh, tell our listeners about it and uh, promote yourself before we get into? Uh, <laughs> you know, let's talk about something that's happening now and not a show that went off the air forty five years ago. Yeah, I'm like, explain yourself. I am very excited to talk about this show. <laughs> like, I, I went to I went to Oberlin. I studied piano there, and this is a so this I will tell you right now is going to be a very in the weeds sort of uh, piano type uh, discussion. In the to, weeds to, is to, where we do our best work. To Excellent. be clear, we're talking about an I Dream of Genie episode that revolves around a piano. I should specify that for the listeners. Yes. (laughs) Um, But my book is, uh, if the listeners have uh, read um, Nickel and Dimed by Barbara Ehrenreich, uh, which was like came out in about, uh, I believe it was 2000 or 2001. And uh, I wanted to do sort of an update of that for like modern low wage work, which is extremely... um, technologically monitored and you sort of have no time to rest ever if you are in one of these places that I uh, went to work myself to be able to sort of chronicle what it feels like to work in one of these places because it feels kind of miserable. And uh, I went to work there myself because uh, nobody's going to read a sad book. And which, which places? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Uh, that was uh, Amazon Warehouse is the first chapter. A call center um, is the second one. And a McDonald's in downtown San Francisco is the third one. I feel like you started out with the worst one from what I hear. Like That's like starting with the boss battle. I mean, it was the most obvious one, and I'd been wanting to do that forever. And I used to work at a Philadelphia City paper until it closed in 2015. And uh, when it closed, I was just real heartbroken, honestly. (laughs) I loved that place, and we only got like a week to put together, you know, a final thing. So I was like, well, I guess I'm unemployed. Um, I had been thinking about writing a book before that, and I had some interest in that. So I was like, you know what? Feeling kind of crazy right now? I guess, screw it. I'm just going to go to Kentucky and uh, find myself an Amazon warehouse to work in uh, because I might as well do it now because I cannot stomach getting another newspaper job right now because it will just make me cry. And uh, yeah, like, so I just sort of went off kind of out of nowhere and did it and then sold the book like two years later. (laughs) It's so much better that this was like actually your job and not like 
your, your chief was like, you need to go undercover in the Amazon warehouse. Like, this was real. Oh, it was real. Yeah. I mean, I was there, like, technically undercover, although yeah. I was pretty open with anybody. Like, like I would have I would have told anyone who asked, and yeah. I put my real work history down and stuff. But, uh, and especially at Amazon, like, mm-hmm. I told lots of people before I left and interviewed lots of Lots and lots of people. Nobody really. Everybody was just kind of vague, like bemused. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, cool. Um, okay. Yeah. So, so Emily, published author, mm-hmm. uh, journalist. You wrote about TV at the AV Club. I did. Probably the most bona fides of anyone we've had on this show. <laughs> uh, our, our second published author, though. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Uh, we... So we're going to promote that book. Uh, all the links to that will be in the description and things. You should definitely go read On the Clock. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Our, our guests are pretty off, across the board much more qualified than us. But you're like, you currently are holding the champion. Yeah, like you're the, definitely. Nice. You have the belt right now. <laughs> you you are a good get for us. Yeah. <laughs> and how did, you, how did you get me? Where did we meet? Oh yeah, we met because you were my ride to a strike. Yep. <laughs> because you you were my ride to a picket line. Yeah, and yeah. anybody who's listening, if the GM uh, strike is still going on, you should find Mindy Isser on uh, Twitter and sign up for the strike support stuff. Mm-hmm. It's I would say I have I have a lot of fun every time I go up. It was a good time. Yeah, when we right. Went, when we went on on the picket line and yeah. strike, I mean, it was mostly just us hanging out with some union. Union folk for Yeah, a and trying to and... get people to honk their horns and wave, and it's pretty fun, honestly. Yeah, yeah honestly, it was a good time. Uh, and there, if you, even if that strike is finally settled by the time this gets up next week, uh, there are other strikes. UAW. Like, yeah. yeah. There's like 15 going on right now. Yeah, it rules. Yeah. Also, I think of as of this morning, there is a tentative deal on the table. Really? Yeah, yeah. I actually, just before I came in here, I got a notification that they're, it's not finalized, but they think they might have one. Oh, thank goodness. Yeah. Like, I, I actually have somebody that I, that I met in the, when I was writing the book at uh, Convergis is she now works or did work in a, plant that wasn't specifically GM, but it made GM parts. And mm-hmm. so they are really getting screwed because they don't really have access to some of the stuff that, you know, like the union at GM yeah. would give you, but they are getting, you know, laid off and cut down to two days a week. And, but they don't have anyone to turn to. It really, really sucks. So they're just like collateral damage in this. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh. Hopefully by the so, time this comes out, it's been long over. Yeah, let me hope. Yeah, yeah, shout out to any GM or GM-related people out there. You know, be strong. I'm so sorry this is happening. Yeah. Unionize, folks. Yeah. yeah. Have a strong union. Okay, so it's been like seven minutes of our television podcast. We haven't talked about a single television <laughs> show. Uh, so we're going to get into I Dream of Genie because... Dan and I are so tired of the Andy Griffith show. We needed a break. <laughs> yeah. uh, and it's it's a bit of a switch for us because I would say I've watched a couple of episodes. I don't have a whole lot of familiarity with it beyond just the basic premise that there's this dude and his girlfriend is a genie. Uh, and we get, we get, I don't think they're boyfriend, girlfriend. I don't think they're doing it. Well, that, okay. That was my understanding of it before ah. I started watching it. And now I understand a little bit more. So I dream genie follows, uh, astronaut Tony Nelson. Yeah. Uh, who was in orbit, uh, around, uh, the planet and he landed on, uh, an island in the middle of the ocean and he found a bottle in there and it turned out to have Barbara Eden, this mm-hmm. beautiful genie who is 
Like, very, very white and blonde. Super white Beyond and blonde, white. but but also also still kind of weird. Like Lee has some like Orientalism thing going yeah, on. Yeah, like, like I I I think she's like or. This is also kind of the first episode I've ever seen of this, but because I'm a tryhard, I did like some research on a dream sure, of genie. Sure, sure, sure. And uh, yeah, it's there's actually like a lot of like weird Islamic stuff. Like there's one where they have to go to Mecca. Yeah, like it's very and and whenever they go to visit her family, they're mostly like you know pegged as like uh, you know Middle Eastern in in, in in like genie land, which is basically Agrabah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, she's from like a country entirely of pe- demigods. Which is, yeah, so uh, I went back a couple of times on whether or not they're dating from watching this. I'm pretty sure, like, in the early seasons, at least, they're in, like, a casual relationship. Because mm-hmm. they do act super couple Like, they go out to dinner and stuff. Mm-hmm. But also, he is trying to hit on other women constantly. Yeah, yeah. They're, Rude. Yeah. They're, they're super in that, like, phase of the relationship where it's like, well, we haven't talked about being official yet. Yeah. So it's okay if I hook up with someone else. And she's not on board with it because she's constantly getting jealous of it. Uh, except when she creates a second Tony so that she can fool around with him. That's an episode. <laughs> yeah. That's an episode that happens. Oh, uh, yeah. She creates a clone of Tony, and then they are hardcore committed relationships. So it's it's amb- basically they're in, like, a right-now Brooklyn relationship. Where <laughs> oh, or the old It's Complicated on yeah. Facebook. It's been three years, and there's no concrete agreement on how exclusive they are, if they're exclusive at all. I'm just like, okay, like, she, like, this bottle with a beautiful woman in it who does, who calls you master and does yeah. everything that you ask her to, and... I'm just like, way to go, Tony. Yeah. You didn't ask her to sleep with you. I'm pretty sure you did not. I, yeah. I yeah. think you're giving Tony too much credit. I, I, I am on good man Tony's side. I don't think Good, good I don't, guy Tony Nelson. Yeah, yeah, good guy Tony. Good guy astronaut Tony Nelson. Before we came in on this, we were, we like, just from what I remembered from watching it on Nick and Knight as a kid, I was mm-hmm. like, all right, so this show is going to be disgusting because it's like there's the vaguely the, the whitewashing of a middle eastern person element there it also i'm remembering it as sort of being like basically a guy has a magical sex slave a little bit <laughs> so there's that weird element that's what we thought was gonna like happen weird going science yeah we, yeah we thought it was gonna be a weird science situation exactly <laughs> a, a born sexy yesterday thing where you have like right. a, a magical hot idiot girlfriend because we should point out like it varies like how intelligent or how powerful or really how cognizant genie is at any moment i have i have a lot of thoughts on on the relativity of her powers when it comes to what she can do uh, sometimes she's like super involved and she's like got a lot of agency and sometimes she's just like a sexy plot device and it's very weird just a couple of episodes that dan and i have watched how sometimes genie's removed from her from her whole show like entirely she sets up the situation for tony and then just Hangs out in the background. She's like the deus ex machina figure in a couple. Mm -hmm. But overwhelmingly, what I've seen is she's the dominant one in the relationship. Yeah, it certainly seemed like it in in this one. Yeah, Tony like dances in her hands. She has all the power. It's it's a very weird dynamic that completely goes counter to every expectation I had from it. Mm -hmm. Even though she still calls him master. Oh, yeah, yeah. It feels almost like condescending. Like, Like, all right. 
master. Yeah, sure. sure. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, can't yeah. do anything. I could turn you into a frog if I wanted, you know. Yeah. Or maybe she couldn't. I don't know. It's very unclear because in this episode, she gets locked in a file cabinet and cannot get out somehow. Yeah. Despite having, li- like, literally infinite powers. It's a, Yeah, the rules on what she can and cannot do and what actually restrains her are very weird. I kind of like to think from this episode that her weakness is specifically filing cabinets. Like, that's the only way. <laughs> or that the filing cabinet is, like, made out of silver <laughs> yeah. or lead or something. It just... I think it's small enclosed spaces. I Because that's because she was trapped in that bottle oh. for a long time. And, oh. and they leave the bottle uncorked so that she can go in and out as she pleases. But I think that if you get her in a small space, she's stuck there and has to be let out. I think. I think. I think. That makes a lot of sense. I think, yeah. as well. Um, so I buy it. <laughs> so what is this episode? This episode is... <laughs> this is season five, episode one, according to the official listings, but episode five on Amazon for some reason. Uh, Genie at the Piano. Uh, originally airs September 16th, 1969. Directed by Hal Cooper and written by written by this series, Bob Sweeney, Sidney Sheldon. <laughs> All right. <laughs> The most sexless name that I think you can have. It's up there. Yeah. Uh, and here is your one-sentence summary from Wikipedia. Jeannie casts a spell on the piano in the Cocoa Beach Officers Club, making Tony appear to be a musical virtuoso when he sits down to play. Now, Emily, this was uh, this was your choice. We're doing guest choice on this miniseries. Why did you pick this episode? I picked this episode because I've played piano my whole life. I went to Oberlin. I am very like I was very serious about piano and I don't know, I always like to choose something that I can maybe bring some extra expertise knowledge to. And uh, I'm looking at your notes and you definitely did. Oh yeah. yeah. Like I said, I am the tryhardiest of the tryhards. Did you did you write your notes in pencil and then go back over it in pen for stuff that you really wanted to emphasize? Oh yeah. yeah. That's this is how I do all my interview questions. It's just like, yeah, the pencil is like maybe like if I have time, but the pen is like I need to hit this. The pen is like I need to say this but at a louder volume. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's good cuz like I've got the mixing board in front of me and whenever we get to a pen, I'll just know to turn you down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so as a as any music, musically inclined person, how do you feel about it being represented in this episode? Are you positive, negative? Um, it's kind of interesting in that somebody who was knowledgeable about music and probably also piano definitely was involved with this at some point mm-hmm. because the music that he plays on the piano throughout, it's kind of like a really Easter eggy joke in that mm-hmm. almost all of them are in some way military. Like he plays the, the first piece he plays, the Rondo à la Turk, it's a Mozart piece. It's from, I forget which sonata, but like it's uh, based on like Janissary marches mm-hmm. from, from Turkey. And then the next piece that they show him playing is it's Chopin. I think it's the, Polonaise in A major, yeah, which is subtitled the the military polonaise. Holy shit! And then I forget what the other ones were, but there's another dumb musical joke that's actually at the very end, so I can talk about that then. But like when you contrast that with just how terrible the the uh, the Tony's fake piano playing is he is not trying at all <laughs> it is kind of embarrassing uh, uh, tony by the way is played by the actor larry hagman who went on to be like the patriarch in the show dallas uh if you don't know what uh, larry hagman looks like uh imagine 
Bill Hader's voice coming out of Rob Lowe's face. Yeah. And that's pretty much what you've got this character. He like, honestly kind of looks like Bill Hader and uh, uh, Bill Hader and kind of more um Tom Cruise got into like a fusion accident. He looks like Bill Hader doing a Tom Cruise impression. Yeah. <laughs> like, like like it's a weird deep fake going on. It's very unsettling. Um so let's go ahead and just give some context to this. And we can give all the context by talking about the opening scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the opening scene is uh, at NASA, at the NASA headquarters, where uh, Tony works. He goes into the rec room. It's kind of like the break room. There's like ping pong tables mm-hmm. and stuff. And uh, he's talking with his buddy, Major Healy, Major Roger Healy, who is his best friend, uh, who knows that Jeannie exists. That yeah. blew my mind. In the very first scene, like, Jeannie pops up as, like, a tiny, like, three-inch tall thing to ask what to make for dinner. Yeah. And then, like, he's sort of, like, crouching down and trying to hide, like, hide her from everybody <laughs> else in the room. And then his friend Roger comes over, and, he, and he's very casually like, oh, hey, Jeannie. Yeah. What's up? I was just like, what? <laughs> he's no. not even perturbed by, like, the fact that she's suddenly there and tiny. Like, yes. I was, And then I'm, I I read and like oh he's known about it the whole time yeah, yeah. but like it still was very surprising yeah, <laughs> having he, not seen Healy's, the show before he leaves in on it uh but no one else is so they they try to keep everybody else like from knowing uh the secrets because otherwise i mean these guys are basically air force they would launch a strike on genitopia immediately <laughs> yeah and, like try to get that magical magical demigod resource like, yeah i mean i also do like the fact that this does not feel like they have a solid handle on what NASA is or how it works. <laughs> they like, absolutely do not. I, mean, I want to get into that later. Yeah. Um, I will say the first sign that it's going to be a real bad piano fakery thing is uh, when someone comes over and he's just like, nothing, I'm just sitting here at the piano. And he does a glissando, which is where you sort of run your hand over all the keys. So it goes whoop. And uh, I forget which... It, whether it goes, whether his hand goes down and the notes go up or vice versa, but it is one of those. And you're like, ooh, this is going to be pretty bad. That's yeah. like the easiest thing to replicate. Yeah. All you have to do is just like, oh, uh, could we do that again? Just, just go the other way. Yeah. It's the thing children do when you give them a piano for the first time. Yes. And yeah. it is one of the most fun things to do. It will actually give you little marks on your fingernails. I actually have some right now. You see right there? Boop. Holy shit. So. It's and you've just been like really doing glissandos all day before this. <laughs> no, it just no, it's just permanent. It takes oh. some time to grow out, basically. That's just a thing you have now. Yeah, it's just yeah. A, yeah if like, you play piano and seriously, mm-hmm. you, you tend to have those on at least your right hand, like guitar calluses. Yeah. Okay. So, so yeah. yeah, look if you want to tell if someone does piano, just look right at their uh, first and second or fingers on their uh, right hand. It's a good way to find out if someone's being full of completely full of shit when they say that they play piano. Like, that's, that's show a, me your that's fingernails. Also, that's also a good way to find lesbians. I found. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool, cool, cool. That's definitely staying in the final edit of the podcast. <laughs> Tony's in his break room and Jeannie appears very tiny, like next to a little NASA cup that is on the like little red piano that's in the break room for some reason. They had to make a giant coffee mug for this two second <laughs> bit. Like, and it doesn't look like it's made out of paper mache. Like they had the props department actually like use plaster to make a giant mug. That delights me, especially given how low budget the rest of the settings seem yeah. to be like especially the concert hall at the end uh and uh and she appears basically saying hey what do you want for dinner do you want like chicken 
fish or do you want yak meat? No, it was yak saddle. Yak saddle. What? Did, I, I, I was know. confused about the saddle part. I was thinking that maybe it was like specifically the saddle. Eric, definitely it's, not it, accurate, but I was just picturing like her specifically hacking off the lower back of the of the yak. She's just got one of those like meat charts where that shows you what each cut of a, of a cow is, but it's just for a yak. I imagine it would all be the same, right? Yeah, like, yeah, they're kind of the same. Pretty similar, similar anatomically. Similar With the dinner thing, it all is also again sort of an illustration of how they don't totally have a grasp on the rules of her powers because she can just like conjure all three. all three of them it would yeah. be very easy they have access to infinite food they are a post-scarcity couple <laughs> <laughs> like, and, exactly and they just like everyone forgets that constantly it's really weird i'm like yeah i guess it would be hard to have if she actually had infinite powers it would be hard to like you know have a show that had any conflict in it but even so it does feel very silly sometimes that is sort of the thing is like for having just the Ultimate MacGuffin. The show somehow manages to have pretty solid stakes throughout, and it's completely based on the thing of, like, well, why can't Genie just do this? And the show just goes like, hey, shut up. <laughs> we're trying to do a TV show here. Yeah, because. Shut up, you nerd. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, just say to yourself, it's just a show. I should really <laughs> just relax. Yeah, this show, like, one of the really nice things about it is it does not take itself too seriously no. at all. Yeah. Uh, which is a welcome break from the Andy Griffith show, which takes itself so seriously and is just out to, like, instill values in America. Yeah. Also, like, on that note, like, the inc- I love the incidental music in this show because it very much underlines it's, uh, like, do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-
that would normally just prompt a, okay, cool. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that's... I don't want to play right now. I'm very out of practice. Like... I don't particularly want to hear someone who doesn't know how to play the piano play the piano. That doesn't sound aesthetically pleasing to me at all. What is fascinating is, so he, like, eventually gets, like, coerced into sitting down, and all of a sudden his hands start playing this this song, uh, Rondo Turk, this Mozart piece Mm -hmm. that, frankly, like... if you study piano seriously, you play that when you're eight. Like, yeah? <laughs> yes. It is not a super complicated piece, honestly. Um, but what's really interesting is there's bum notes in it. Like, more than a few. And it's a really weird arrangement that they do. And I'm sure it's just so that the the timing for mm-hmm. the commercial break will will, write, or will work out. But I think my my feeling on this is that they just had somebody on staff that was pretty good at piano mm-hmm. And they got them to record this, like, this weird version, and that was, like, the best take they got. I love the idea of this, like, meta, meta level where, like, they literally just found some guy on set that can play piano (laughs) and made them do this for the premise of this show, which is we found a guy on, on, uh, at work that says he can play the piano and made him do it. Are all of the renditions on the piano subpar throughout the episode? No. That one, that one is, I don't think it's noticeable to anybody, mm. but like someone who studied piano real serious, but like uh, there's bum notes in that. But I think that's because they couldn't use a normal recording of it mm-hmm. because they had to make it sync up with the with the yeah. commercial breaks. Whereas most of the other times they're like, it's more complicated music mm-hmm. and they're also just like doing it the actual like you could find a recording of it. That would right. work where you whereas you would not be able to find a recording of this. Ah, OK, so that's I think that's what happens. So and and that's it. He plays really well, and everyone's like, "Oh, he can play really well." And then they yeah, go... everybody gathers around and applauds. <laughs> I'm just like, "No, man, that's not what happened." Yeah, <laughs> and, and then they and then they go to uh, commercial. They play the theme song and they go to commercial. I've seen five episodes of this show so far, and every single time I'm watching it for the first time, and I go, "Oh, that's a pretty good opening gag." I wonder what the rest of the episode will be about. Oh, that's the setup for the episode. Yeah. <laughs> just like, yeah, no, they didn't do cold opens back then. Because I was just like, I was like, how do you, how do you stretch this into a fucking plot? That's like a one-off joke. How, how are we going to do twenty-two minutes of this? Yeah, no, it's, it's an entire thing where the stakes are. He's really good at a thing, and his life is going to be really chill and easy from now on. And this is our problem that the episode is based around. Because we come back from commercial, and it's like the end of that scene. It, like, shows up right as he stopped playing piano. I was like, hey, good job playing piano, man. (laughs) And and everyone claps, and then Major Bellows gets a real hard-on for this. Mm -hmm. Yes, you can't hide this sort of talent. He's a genius. I'm just like, yo, that is not a hard song. Like, <laughs> like it was, it was fine. Yeah. He and he's like, I need to tell my boss, the general, about this guy that played the piano really well in the break room. Which made me go, why? Yes, he, he definitely doesn't have anything important going on. No. Like at NASA in the '60s, there <laughs> yeah. was definitely nothing good happening at NASA in 1968. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and it, I love that, like, Tony's, like, primary thing is, like, I gotta fly missions. I'm an astronaut. So it makes it sound like he's just, like, going up to space on Thursdays. Like, Yeah, they've done that numerous times. Yeah. they Again, very soft understanding of what NASA is or does. I think they just think it's, like... And they take two-hour lunches, apparently. <laughs> yeah. 
They're just doing like highballs in the uh, in the break room before doing space missions. So, yeah. so now we're back at Tony's office and he's yelling at Jeannie. And we've talked about this a couple of times. How it's like sometimes jokes don't age well. Yeah. There's a joke Ooh. in here. I think has aged worse than any other joke we've ever dealt with on the yeah. show. And that joke is that uh, Jeannie, in her defense, says something like, "You said you like piano, and I wanted to make you into a great piano player." And Tony says, I like football, too. I didn't want you to turn me into O.J. Simpson. <laughs> it's like magic words now where just, like, suddenly a dark cloud gathers overhead. Like, even if you just mention him in passing. Yeah. I yeah. had to pause, go, oh, shit, and then look, yeah. up, and then look up O.J. Simpson's career because I was like, how old is O.J. Simpson? Yeah. O.J.'s yeah. old as hell, apparently. Yeah. I was, I was really surprised, like, just given how the cultural definition or understanding of O.J. Simpson as a term is so different. As synonymous with football excellence since 1969. Yeah. Yep. Like, it's just, so 1969 through the, er, the 90s, he was just synonymous with, like, good at football, the best, mm-hmm. and then... You know, stuff happened. <laughs> and then, then he was, Events. Then he was known for something else. Yeah. Don't quite remember what. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, so Didn't get to that part of the Wikipedia page. <laughs> so what I really liked about this scene is, like, Jeannie, he says, like, well, Jeannie makes it clear that she's like, well, I wouldn't want to put the burden of of having to play piano on you, <laughs> so I put it into the piano instead. But I was just like, yeah, that's right. Like, that's the thing, like, being, like, having, practicing enough yeah. to, to be real good at piano is so hard. It's, it sucks. Like, you're downplaying her phrasing in this because she doesn't say, like, I don't want to put the burden on you. She's like, I don't want to put the, the burden on you and your delicate, beautiful little <laughs> fingers. They're so beautiful and perfect. They and couldn't deal with those hours and hours of drudgery. And yeah. I was like, yeah, got you right. Okay, yeah. okay. But, oh, yeah. But you're all skipping something, something, um, which is that if your piano playing ability comes from your fucking genie girlfriend, you don't have to spend hours practicing at the piano. But maybe he doesn't, he doesn't have to do any of that. He doesn't have to practice. He has magic genie fingers. Reasonable point. But maybe <laughs> it she, makes no sense. I was still into it. I don't care, man. <laughs> maybe she the way it has to work is she has to magic the the experience into his hand. So like he'll just be looking at them just like age five years and like get all the get scars all, like, wiry on them. and like get yeah. creepy veins. It'll just, it'll yeah. just, just Dorian Gray, but only on his hands. Exactly. And like suddenly he's like crippled by like like the arthritis of all the work. <laughs> uh yeah, so it could be along those lines. Also when he says like I want to. I like football, but I don't want to be O.J. Simpson. My line would be like, "Wait, why don't you want to be good at football? Also, why don't you just want to be good at all of the things?" Like, yes, I definitely was kind of mad, especially at the at the end of this, where they're like going to destroy the piano. Yeah, it's like, how dare you? <laughs> that is awesome. How dare you destroy this amazing thing she created? Yeah, like, yeah who yeah. cares? So, so. To be, so let's be clear here. This is a magic piano. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Tony says, wait, so anybody that sits down at that piano can do exactly what I did? And she's like, yeah, dude. Uh, I also want to put out a very good bit of wordplay earlier that happened uh, where as Tony is running out, uh, his friend Major Healy says, Tony, that was amazing. Or that piano playing was borderline genius. <laughs> and Tony says, "Yeah, you're almost there because it was genie. 
Solid punchmanship. Yeah. It, was, it was good. It was some clever writing. He was like, you're halfway there, and he points at Jeannie, who is in the cup at that point. Yeah. <laughs> I did not pick that up at all. I thought it was Learning good, new things every day. I thought yeah. it was a good piece of writing. Yeah. She shrinks a lot in this episode. She does. Yeah. So he asked her to uh, turn somebody, it back. Somebody yeah. who worked on this show had a shrinking fetish. <laughs> 100%. This was definitely a writer's room this, of fetishes. This, this definitely bore out, like, it created a lot of real weird uh, sex fantasies, I, I think. I feel like Spot the Fetish is going to be a game that we play a, a lot on this many series. Oh, I think this, uh, this series closes with a reading of fan fiction. Oh. And just... Coat, like out with just a bottle of whiskey between the two of us and just and a reading of fan fictions. Awesome. All yeah. right. So like, all right. So he asked Jeannie to turn it back mm-hmm. and she says, like, again, bafflingly, she can't. Some, yeah. For some reason, it just has to like play itself out. So he just runs back to the break room. She turned the piano into a jukebox or a player piano, basically, is what it is. She just invented the player piano. Yes. There is a great shot of Tony sprinting full speed through the hallways. And then just body checking (laughs) that old man off of the piano bench, which was awesome. Hard elbow to the ribs, too. Not a shove. Like, he puts his shoulder and elbow into it and launches him a little bit. Mm -hmm. let's, let's, Let's explain what's happening here. We cut to the break room where uh major bellows is talking to the general and he's just like you you'd be amazed he just sat tony just sat at this piano and he was just gonna play like this yeah. and like right as he's about to put his fingers to the keys tony just body checks him like a <laughs> hockey player and just shoves onto him to the, the ground, ground. Just like, it looks real just like not like a pratfall like i feel like the guy that plays Bellows got no prompt. He was like, oh, yeah, he's going to come up and give you, like, a light shove. And then, like, they were like, hey, guy who plays Tony, guy who plays Tony, hit him. <laughs> it's it. much better if you Do hit it. him. Well, what I've, Larry so Hagman was thing not a I, small man. He was a big dude. Larry Hagland apparently was also, like, real drunk uh, on Oh, yeah, he was very lot. difficult to yes. work with. So that is what I, I was just like, I wonder if this was one of his drunk days. Like, and he just did that by accident. That yeah. definitely tracks for... Everything we've seen so far, including the shitty piano playing that he does. Because you can definitely chalk that up to, like, he's a little day drunk during these. <laughs> yeah, no, this was this was season five. Like, everyone had just learned how to fucking deal with it. But, like, yeah. he was apparently a monster to work with. Yeah. Holy uh, shit. So here's the fun part, right? Is that he starts to play, and the general is just like, I'm taking you off of flight duty, and uh, we're going to put you on uh, on tour. Which yes. number one? I don't. Yes. I don't think that's a thing that NASA can do. Yeah. No, and, it is absolutely not. And, and number two, no offense to the concert pianists out in the world, but astronaut to concert pianist is a major downgrade. Yeah. Hey, hey, no, no I disagree. Look, a lot. That's going to get us in the most trouble than okay. anything okay, we've seen on. on this show. Number one. Lots of people can play the piano. Not a lot of people can go into space. Oh, you number, two, number two. Y'all are canceled. Yeah. Number two. <laughs> it's 1968. So it's especially true then. You right? are going to get the piano players of America on our asses. And guess who's not going to have our backs? The fucking astronauts. They don't give a shit. They do not. <laughs> okay. Let's, let's just, let's just play this out, right? If this happened in real life, it would be like, Oh, hey, turns out Buzz Aldrin is really good at tennis. So we're going to, like, shelve this whole Apollo program thing real quick, and we're going to take him to Wimbledon. That's how we're going to beat the Soviets. 30 love. That's the plan. 
The piano is more important than tennis. I just really want to go on record as saying that. Um, it's it's a very imp- it's it's a, a keystone of our culture. It's it's a cornerstone. Uh, I feel like I'm I feel like, damn right. I feel like I'm not going down with him. I think I'm, <laughs> I think I'm good. Wait, I'll anyway, die but, on this hill. Anyway, the I'll song that he's playing hill. when he like knocks the dude off the piano bench and like slides into place and immediately starts playing. That's the the Chopin polonaise. The military one, and mm-hmm. that is admittedly more more uh, difficult yeah. than the first thing that he was playing. So maybe I'm like, oh, okay, maybe maybe the general will be a little more impressed with this. That makes a little more yeah. sense. I like to think that at the uh, that later, much down the line, someone's reviewing the general's budget for the year, and it's like, hey, so you're looking good for the most part. I'm noticing your music budget skyrocketed for this entire month. Yeah, because uh, they bought a grand piano for the break room that's like a hundred thousand dollars like that's so they're so expensive and rented out multiple concert halls and someone's just be like you are not the entertainment division of the military that's an entire thing you are nasa uh this is not your deal what did you fucking do All right, so then there's a commercial break, and yeah. then we're back at home, and Jeannie has a real dope yellow gown. I was hoping we'd I, talk about Jeannie's dope fashion sense. Yes, I am. I love it. I want that gown. I would wear it. Uh, and uh, that that's all about that for that scene, I think, other than they book a tour in, like, all the... Yeah. This, this makes it a little better in that, like, all the tour venues yeah. that they book are military bases and stuff like that. So yeah, I was like, yeah. okay, that makes a little bit more sense. And, and for some reason, Major Healy is now, like, his agent, his, like, tour manager. And he booked the tour in one afternoon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, just put it all together. It's just like, oh, yeah, it's real easy to do that. Like, uh, This is something I'm very on the fence about. Healy comes out in an outfit, a powder blue jacket with uh with a chain and sunglasses, and I'm I'm very I'm on the fence about this. Does he look like an absolute asshole or does he look fly as fuck? Fly. He, he, yeah. looks, he looks pretty fucking fly. Yeah. yeah, I could see it go I could I like paused and really stared at it and I was like, this is this is getting away from me. Well, I mean compared to everybody else on this show, yeah. yeah okay, so so he's I mean like I think the show is supposed to make us think that the, the show wants us to think that Healy is like an incompetent beatnik asshole. Yeah. But it really just makes him look cool as fuck. Yeah. We've, we've talked about this before, or like you and I have talked about it before we recorded, about how this show has a really weird relationship with like culture and counterculture. Cause Tony's the most square motherfucker on the planet. Yeah. <laughs> just the biggest dork on the planet. He's in like the military yeah. in the sixties as a like young, how old is he supposed to be? Is he in his early 30s? He could be Late 25 20s? or 45. I have no fucking he, idea. Yeah, got that, I feel he's like got that's like, a common thing with like men between yeah. ni- 1950 and 1970. Yeah. You're just like, they, they, they go from child to 40 like yeah. he's, instantly. He's got that like Marvel superhero in tw- late 2040-ish. Yeah. Uh, like Tony Stark is like 47 years old. What the fuck is going on here? <laughs> Uh, yeah, so the theory I, like, espoused from the last episode that we have is that um, this is sort of a show about the being, like, the square mainstream people and looking in at the counterculture, where they were, like, having Woodstock and a bunch of, like, free love and stuff, and kind of staring into it enviously, because I feel like Jeannie can sort of be seen as that, where she's very, like... Like, yeah, very wishy-washy. Yeah. Not wishy-washy, but, like, yeah. Like, kind of crazy and wild. She's like the dream girl. Yeah, she's like a magical Dharma from Dharma and Greg. Yes. Yeah, so I think this is sort of, yeah, the uh, uh, envy of the counterculture. I think she's sort of a stand-in for that. 
Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's, but it's like a complete misunderstanding of what all of it's about yeah. as well. Uh, so in this scene, uh, yeah, so yeah, we talked about how there's a, a tour going on. Uh, Jeannie offers like, well, I could just put magic into all of the pianos. Yeah. And Tony's like, that, no, that just makes it worse. I guess we'll just have to lug this red fucking Schroeder toy piano. <laughs> Which is, again, completely absurd. Yeah. <laughs> like, that is an insane thing to do. <laughs> like, A, like, all right, so she was moving it around by, like, putting it in her purse, like, shrinking mm-hmm. it down and putting it in her purse. Moving a piano is not easy because it goes out of tune whenever it changes, like, humidity and, like, temperature and stuff like that. And you have to, like, you know, hire movers yeah. and stuff like that. And it looks like he's going on this, like, nonstop tour, except with, like, somehow the piano is coming with him from venue to venue. Yeah. That thing already should have been out of tune. Also, like, this is kind of, like, a hard thing to notice, but the sound of the rinky-dink piano mm-hmm. is a grand piano. It does not sound like an upright. Uh, I think that they must have recorded that on grand piano and then just, like, imposed it onto that yeah, <laughs> but but again, magic player piano. Yes, exactly. <laughs> magically um, in tune, magically like real good sounds, like whatever. Yeah, no, he's that does bring up a great point of they're just like so. Apparently, Tony is able to teleport a small piano. Do we have any follow up questions on that, everybody? <laughs> no, I didn't see him hire movers at any point. He. I didn't, I didn't no, I think it. they do. I think they do wheel that piano out when he's going to in the next scene go to like going to like smash it with an axe. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Because yeah, Tony's just like, okay, well, fuck it, I'm just going to destroy that piano, and that'll be the end of that, I guess. Yeah. So he like goes uh, back to work, and he takes a fire axe off the wall. Yeah. And he's just like marching down, about to fuck it up, and that's where uh, it, it's Healy, right? Rogers, like, yeah. hey, man, I'm moving this piano for you. <laughs> Yeah, and he asked him for a couple of bucks, like, hey, can I tip the movers? And he looks at the axe and goes, you know what, I'll, I'll take care of this. I really love how little of a shit Healy gives about anything. He's like, like Tony's like, you're going to reveal the existence of my magical girlfriend. And Healy's like, yeah, but also, I think I'm going to get laid from this. So, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we're visiting. A, we're, we booked a tour in just a, in a place where I got a girl. Yeah. Yeah, why not? Yeah, sure. No, he's like, great, you're making wonderful points. I agree with all of them. But also, I do not give a shit. <laughs> also, I think he's kind of realistic. How Healy would they rules. possibly be like, well, they don't know about Genie. They don't yeah. know he's got a magic girlfriend. Why yeah. would they be like tracing it back to him? Yeah. Like, it's not his fault that he's like sitting in a magical piano. He was just the first one to come across it. I think that they could have gotten away with, with the magical piano thing being not attributable to yeah. him. Yeah. What are they, what is the government going to do? Launch a like, two-year investigation to the existence of, of magical a magic pianos. Piano. <laughs> yes! <laughs> They'd be laughed out of Congress. It would rule. Yeah. And, and again, I... I the, this is I think the first time they start talking about destroying this piano and I'm like no <laughs> you bastards don't you dare give it to me I want it yeah. so bad that I wouldn't have to practice anymore. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. It's, 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 let's, let's see. Uh, JFK's been shot about four years ago. <laughs> uh, this whole Vietnam thing is going on. I don't know what the fuck's up with that. You know what we should focus on? This fucking break room piano. (laughs) Some guy got... Covered in bumper stickers. Some guy got real good at playing piano in Florida. You guys want to look into this? Hell yeah. (laughs) This guy's piano talent doesn't add up. Let's get into it. (laughs) The the 18 missing minutes of Nixon footage is all just piano (laughs) playing. (laughs) Yeah. 
Him, him conspiring wildly about the existence of magical Soviet pianos. Yes. Yeah. Uh, oh, God. Okay, yeah. So Tony tries to destroy the piano in a great crime against the arts. I think we can all God agree. Damn right. Yeah. Uh, and um, uh, let's see. The, the, the next thing then. is uh, Tony, Tony puts like a bandage on his hand to try to convince the major that he's burnt his hand and cannot... Uh, Cannot yeah. perform, and of I course, that was a pretty good idea. Pretty good, should have worked. Like, of course, he, Healy fucks that up too. He could have committed to it enough to actually burn his hand, or just, like, or just like pull the Gardner Minshew and like hit your hand with a hammer yeah. or something like that. Or tell Jeannie to like be like, "Hey, can you make my hand look burned? Yeah, yeah, or something. Or Some you makeup? can you can you ask them to forget about this? See, we yell at. Can Tony, they do that? We yell at Tony for keeping for forgetting that he has access to Jeannie. I just forgot he had access to Jeannie. <laughs> the show forgets that he has access to Jeannie on a regular basis. Yeah, no, he he could just basically he could just have Jeannie just make this all go away. Just like, hey, can you make everyone forget about this? Yeah, can you just move the piano to the bio or bio or something? Like, just yeah. put it in a swamp. Yeah, where no one will ever find it. Shoot the. Put put the piano on the moon, and then everyone will just be like, "You have rockets; they're right there. You work at NASA." Yeah. All right. So this, I watch. So I watched this with my husband last night, and this one, this scene where where there's like he bandages his hand and then gets caught, like that he's faking, and then they're like, "Oh, you're just too modest. You don't want to like be a celebrity, but we're still gonna make you do this anyway." Yeah, all those celebrity concert pianists that I can name off the top of my head. Yep, exactly. You're gonna get us in such shit with pianists i really why do you keep going in on this why are you willing to die on this hill albany uh but this is the thing where my my husband was just like yo that doctor is real creepy i i think is it i don't know if it's the the i forget who it is but it's like the guy that is talking about oh you're just too modest he never blinks yeah, yeah, it's yeah. really creepy. Like he's legit. It's bellows major bellows major bellows yeah, okay yeah. yeah 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 but yeah he like is like Oh, you're just too modest. Like, it's like he's, like, facing him down or yeah. something. Like, he's, like, really intense and creepy. From, like, scene one, Bellows has real issues with, like, consent. Because yeah, Tony yeah. is like, I don't agree to do this. And he's like... Do it anyway. Yeah, you do. Yeah, I don't care. I don't, I don't care. You like, secretly what are you, want Tony, to do What are you Tony going to do? Tony seems to be constantly getting, like, no consent to anything. No! Like, Jeannie is doing stuff all the time without asking. What are you like, going to do, though? Is he going to fire him from NASA for not playing the piano? <laughs> they spend an entire day setting up this tour. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any idea how many resources went into that? No, <laughs> it was not an entire day. It was from hours three to five. <laughs> <laughs> they slapped this fucking thing together. Uh, All right, so they so they do make him go do it, and then they the next scene is in a concert hall, which is uh, he actually does a slightly better job because I think with the other shots, the shot is not behind him; it's in front mm-hmm. of him, so you can't really see what his fingers yeah. are doing. So I think he's not trying as hard, mm-hmm. or maybe at all, yeah. to make it look right uh, from those scenes. This one, he looks like he's because the camera's sort of behind him, and you can sort of see what he's doing. He's making more of an effort to make yeah. it look to sort of make it line up. I don't. Uh, I I didn't write down what song that was, and I, I don't remember love, off the top of my head. Love, love the like concert montage because it matches. Perfectly, the opera scene from Citizen Kane. <laughs> they do that perfectly. Instead, instead of Orson Welles like up in the balcony looking down at his wife and like applauding heavily, it's Jeannie's face superimposed over 
uh, Tony at the concert. They do the, they do Citizen Kane, like, perfectly. I'm going to tweet about it. I'm going to match it up, <laughs> match up the screenshots. But it's it's amazing what they – and I'm, I loved it. I loved every bit. Of, and then, like, little headlines yeah. flash, like – Astronaut turned pianist yeah. turns heads. I just All right, wanted... that I could actually kind of see because like gimmicks are sure. pretty big yeah. are a pretty big thing in, sure. in classical music. But yeah, like I just wanted one of those headlines to be like like astronaut pianist. An astronaut is a pianist. Pianist astronaut. And then one of them would just be like, Vietnam War escalates. <laughs> There's an astronaut that can play the piano. <laughs> oh yeah, that would have been the best bit. Yeah. Yeah, and then and then like uh, the major and the general are. Co- uh, at first, I thought they were like collecting money or whatever, like looking at like stacks of cash. But they're just reading headlines. Like they're super psyched about this. Yeah, they're sitting there like the two grumpy dudes in the Muppets. Yeah, they, it, they, it really looked like that box that they're always in. What's their names again? Statler, Statler and, and Waldorf. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Perfect Statler and Waldorf energy. Yeah, and there was a. Lo- Is this the scene this where they have so... the really obvious stock footage of an audience like yes. clapping yeah. yes. and then like round of a like standing ovation? Yes. It looks real. The film stock, it looks really different from whenever they show Genie or anybody else as a character in the audience. Extremely Citizen Kane. That's also how the scene looks. They blew their entire budget on large cups. (laughs) They (laughs) they blew it on, yeah, a large cup and renting pianos. Yeah. They did not have money for extras. They had a lot of money for large cups and filing cabinets. Their filing (laughs) cabinet budget is insane. (laughs) Okay, so then they go back. uh, The next scene is in the rec room again. Yeah, where they find out that they have sold the old dinky piano and replaced it with, again, a a grand piano that is probably, like, even in 1969 dollars, is probably at least 50 grand. Yeah. Like, it is, like, when you were talking about, like, oh, the music budget for the, for the, <laughs> for the Air Force, like, the, for NASA or whatever he's in. He's in the Air Force, right? Not well, the, he, not NASA? Well, he, he's in the Air Force, but he works for NASA, cause, like, most, right. most yeah. astronauts are Air Force members, and I think NASA might be, like, a subdivision of that. Yeah. I'm not 100% sure how that works. They do have him doing, like, flight missions which i don't know doing what like uh probably bombing the bombing people? <laughs> like right that he would be what he was doing well, yeah he was, he, he was doing he was doing like test and orbit stuff like they put him into orbit a couple of times and that's how he met genie was like his shuttle was in orbit around the earth and it crashed back to earth on an island so he's like part of the space race which is amazing again these guys all have way more important shit to be doing yeah, right yes. now yeah but like i don't think they they're just like, hey, let's do our Thursday afternoon space launch. It's usually like, this is a big thing and some people might die. Yeah, this is, this yeah. is the one thing we're going to get to do this year. Yeah. And Nobody had died yet in the space program in 1969, right? When was the when was the Challenger? Uh, not until was the, it the Columbia? Well, which, the, which the, one was the, first? The, the, Didn't the Apollo Nine blow up first? One of the early Apollos explode. It was like right before Apollo 13, right? Oh, okay. Apollo, yeah. Apollo 11 makes it to the moon. That's the one that lands. Right. Apollo Nine had some had a fire, I believe, or something mm. on board. Uh, the Challenger isn't until 1984. Yeah, that is like yeah, yeah. year I was born. Do not remember it. Uh, so it was it was a while before, and uh, Columbia be, was Columbia was after that, right? Yeah, that would be crazy if the Challenger explosion was your first memory. Oh. Like, yeah. <laughs> I was born on the day the Challenger exploded. <laughs> okay, so he actually gets out of everybody's like you know yeah. circling around him, like oh you got to play the, this new amazing grand piano we bought you that 
Also, does not fit in that break room at all. No. Yeah, it takes the, up half the room. Yeah, it looks like they got rid of the pool table to put that in, which I think would make him just persona non grata yeah. through yeah. the entirety of NASA. <laughs> yeah. Like, be so bad. Oh, the super talented piano guy got rid of our entire break room. Love it. And they actually, they have a really, what I thought was a really funny joke in this, which is that they named it the Major Anthony Nelson Memorial Piano. (laughs) I'm into it. Yeah. It just goes like, isn't that for someone that's dead? Yeah. So he gets out of, like, gets out of it by, like, pretending to be joking and playing chopsticks, which was cute. And everybody is just like, oh, super funny joke. Even though he could have just been like, hey, Jeannie, don't show up, but give me a power to go. I, I, I. It's weird, like that they don't have like a this a like a link between the two. Like he doesn't have a way to like summon Genie at any point. Yeah, like yeah, Genie pretty much just comes and goes as she pleases. And if she's not around, Tony can't do shit yeah. about it. He can't do shit to get her there. He can't like call her. I really, I think it's like a really good thing about this episode that Tony is in hell yeah. for the entire time. Like, there's no point where he's like, well, you know, this situation is less than ideal. I do like the attention. He's just like, I hate every second of this. I hate being upstage. I hate I hate the people clapping for me. I'm super mad at my magic girlfriend for making all this happen. My I'm magic at- maybe girlfriend. Yeah. My my magic it's 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 weird ambiguous. My uh, my best friend is just running through with this so that he can hook up with some girl in Indiana. Yeah. <laughs> he's not enjoying any part of this. He's like just off frame of every scene, just chain like chain smoking with a shaking hand, be like, I'm in my I'm so in so over my head. I'm freaking out. Okay, okay. I, I, I want to get through the office and the filing cabinet because I want to talk about the kid. That, that I love the kid. Okay, so so let's 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 get through this. So yeah. they they go back to the office. Um, and, and he's yelling at Healy to try to figure out where the fuck that that piano went. Yeah, uh, Jeannie blinks in and she's in the filing cabinet. Right? Solid. Yeah, really looking solid for the bit. pawn slip. I think. Yeah, yeah. Right. So she's looking for, and they find the bill of sale. They find out who the piano was sold to. Uh, and, um, they sold it for $60. Yeah. As I recall. And, uh, so she actually goes inside the filing cabinet to, to, as a tiny, tiny genie, which uh, you did not need a genie for that. Oh no, no. The the filing cabinet was locked. And so she blinked herself inside to get in there. And I think major Healy was in the room at the time. I think that's why she did it. And they make another giant check. Yeah. They really love the tiny genie thing. Yeah, they do. Also, do you think maybe, I feel like there's like just one episode, like maybe like episode two of the show where it's just genie sitting down and be like, okay, here's how my powers work. Yeah, I, I probably can... would, prov- I think I would understand this show yeah, more yeah, if yeah. I had watched any other episode. She just has like a PowerPoint presentation, like I can make myself small and go places. I cannot teleport things. Hands, can't put magic in those. Inanimate objects, totally. <laughs> or you can put magic in hands, but it will be a terrible burden. Yeah. It'll ruin your beautiful hands. And then just like a close-up picture on one of the slides of Tony's hands. Yeah, how they would look. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so so they find out who sold it. And then the next, the next scene is three grown adults in the bedroom <laughs> of a small child. Whose parents do not appear to realize that he has... Three adult guests in his room. Yeah. So yeah. So there's this little this kid, uh, a little black kid, probably like eleven or twelve, and this kid fucking rules. Yes. This kid yes. This kid rules. The episode. Yes. I am all about this little kid. He <laughs> definitely just tries to 
basically rip off the the people because it again it's sold for 60 he's asking he they offer him 100 and he's mm-hmm. like are you my mom bought this for me so i could learn how to play the piano are you a hundred dollars for a mother's love <laughs> and i'm a member of a minority group yes. and i was like wow that is not a thing i i don't know that sounded really weirdly like current to me uh, yeah the, the like minority group thing i guess i didn't realize that that was a phrase that was being used on television in 1969 i feel like they've been able to say that on tv for like 20 minutes like this just became you could say minority on tv like in 1968 even the kid sounds like he just thought to say it right because he says like think about talk about taking advantage of a little kid period and there's like a moment where he's like who's a member of a minority group mind you they do like a little pause where you're like is he gonna say it and then he's like a member of a minority group like and he said it yeah Can can we just just as a moment, let's just go ahead and appreciate that this is happening and coming off of the fucking Andy Griffith show, yeah. which runs for eight years and has a black person speak once. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And now we're on this where a little black kid fucking dominates three grown adults. <laughs> and what I especially love about this scene is that, like, Jeannie talks to him and she's like, and he's like, well... I don't really want a piano. I want a trumpet. Like, I'll sell this piano back to them because I don't really want to play the piano. But if it had been a trumpet, no contest. I'd be keeping that trumpet. Yeah. And so they come up with $120. And then Jeannie boops into existence a beautiful golden trumpet. Yeah. And then the best part of this is that the trumpet is also magic. Yeah. So this kid just picks up the trumpet, which appear- he appears to have never played before. Right. Yeah. He does not own one and just like just starts belting out like yeah. very difficult things on the trumpet. And I'm just like, yes, I am so into this idea of this kid going on to like go to conservatory, yeah. being this prodigy, all because he happened to just like hard bargain these like astronauts about <laughs> selling back <laughs> a piano. Until, this until... generation's Robert Johnson. Like yeah, yeah. yes, exactly. Except yeah. not damned. Not yeah, not going to instead of the devil, genie. Yes, exactly. And until until someone hands him literally any other trumpet. Yeah. <laughs> All he's got well, right, that was another thing I thought was funny is that while they have the problem with making different other pianos that magically play themselves, they have no problem leaving this child with a magic <laughs> trumpet. He's never played the trumpet before. There are going to be no questions course, about where the trumpet came from, why it's magic. Like, uh, I mean, this this kid's parents don't seem to be super involved in his life, except they are because no, his, 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 his mom bought her a piano. The mom, the mom bought a piano. No, the so. mom says he can't have a trumpet because it'll quote push his teeth in. And then Roger suggests beating the child up. Is that what he's suggesting? Yeah, because he's like pushes teeth. Uh, he was like, like comes to pushing of- his teeth in. Yes, yeah, so- I was just like, are you? Are you proposing beating up this 12-year-old child and stealing his piano? Okay, so we've we've thought about giving the child money. I have no second ideas. I did hey, not really Jeannie. bring that much straight cash to, on me. Straight to violence. Yeah, he's like, all right, so let's see. We have $150. We have a demigod. I'm thinking we kick this child in the face and take the piano. That's, <laughs> that's the best I got. Anyway, I was I was just super happy, and I know you that can, and that kid is gonna do well for himself. You can't fucking... do a smash and grab with the piano. <laughs> you can if you can put if Jeannie can shrink it and put it in her purse and that's run off. With it. She does that in like in another scene. Also, that kid fucking starts used car salesmaning them where he's there's like. How about $120? He's like, 
Look at this beautiful red paint that's on this piano. Look the- at the chassis. Yeah. <laughs> is, is chassis an official, like... No. Okay. <laughs> no, that oh, is not like, a real thing. Okay. I don't know. Edit, edit I out the it was part funny. Of, edit out the part of that joke going over your head. Uh, <laughs> um... Yeah, no, it's so good. This kid kicks ass. I want to hang out with this kid, and he would be like, like, I would basically regress to a child, and he would be like the cool kid who can boss me around. Like, yeah, I just yeah. see this guy, like, I'm I'm just like, I'm picturing this guy today, this kid, what, it's been like 1969, it's been like 50 years, I'm just picturing this guy as like first trumpet, like a middle-aged guy, first trumpet, he's been, he's been there for like the last 40 years, yeah. like, he's just like in an orchestra, I'm just like, man. Man, am I, man, that was weird. I got this genie trumpet. <laughs> I, I see. So I have two ways where I can ruin this for you. So one, mom's going to get home be like, I told you you can't have a fucking trumpet. But then he's like, look how good I am at this. And then, Jeet, is the magic in the trumpet also finite like in the Oh, yeah, like is it going to wear out? So like, I choose to think, no. There is like one sad version of this where he's like, it's like 10 years later, he's going to college on a trumpet scholarship, and then just one day, the, it just, like, fizzles out, and he's like... I'm... Well, he could pretend to break his fingers. That is true. And yeah. then he could just pretend to, as many people do, as I did, be, like, halfway through college and being like, oh, this sucks. I don't want to do this. <laughs> I'm going to become a psych major. And yeah. then, and also I'm going to go into journalism. There's a lot of money in that. <laughs> Hell Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know what? This kid is so fucking savvy that he would think to do that. Yeah, like, that is a smart oh, yeah, kid. This, 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 kid would, this kid would definitely work some kind of hustle. He, also, anyway, he would probably eventually learn to play the trumpet like yeah. at some point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would imagine, yeah, he would figure out how to do it like yeah. if he was going to school for it. Yeah, anyway, this kid, MVP of the episode, without a doubt. Absolutely. I have uh, only absolutely. good things to say about this child's future. Both the <laughs> at, both the character and the actor. This little kid actor is annihilating. He's acting circles around, again, three grown adults. <laughs> I um, did like how, yeah, I did think he like his earnestness with Jeannie about how much he wanted to play the trumpet was really endearing. Yeah, but he's also like doing it in the side of like, she's like, do you actually want the money for this? He's like, fuck it all but also fuck these guys. I do want a trumpet. Like, <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh. Uh, so, okay, so so back at the office, so Jeannie has shrank the piano. They establish uh, that she has to return the bill of sale to the filing cabinet for reasons. Yeah. For some reason. To the Chekhov's filing cabinet. Yeah, this, this is important. It's very important that they keep the paper trail established for some yeah. reason. And yeah, and they have already established, helpfully, that she can get stuck in a filing cabinet yeah. earlier. So it truly is Chekhov's filing cabinet. Yes. Filing cabinets are her kryptonite. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Jeannie gets stuck in the cabinet because uh, she... Bursts in, she magics herself in, and then uh, the doctor and the general are leaving, and they lock the filing cabinet. So Jeannie is locked in there. Yeah. With the piano, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she has, yeah, she has it in her purse, so it's an extra tiny piano. Oh, it's like microscopic piano. Yeah, it's like Inception piano. Yeah, like oh. like, like like an Ant-Man Quantum Realm ass piano. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, honey, I shrunk the kids inside an Ant-Man. Uh, oh, yeah. nice, nice. Not to be confused with the ant that is in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Yeah. 
a lot of a lot of movies about people talking to ants and by a lot i mean two yeah all right so uh, they, they cut to like then they cut to like the the concert hall in new york where he's gonna have his debut yeah on a symphony stage of some sort except the flyer says piano prodigy anthony nelson <laughs> yeah. which you're I not a prodigy at age yes. 45 exactly you are at least between the ages of 25 and 50 clearly you don't get to be a prodigy anymore Piano wonderkind tony yes <laughs> This uh, is like this is ridiculous. And he's freaking out because he's like, "All right, so the magic piano that I need to do this entire set isn't here along with my magic girlfriend." And Healy is time. Healy does not give a shit. What yep. is Healy doing, Dan? What is Healy doing this whole time? Ah, he's making a bomb. That monster. <laughs> Just casually making a bomb. Yep. The bomb is meant to he apparently you can hit one of the keys or something like that and then he says like and then you've got 45 seconds to get away from the piano. <laughs> which, again, is setting up another really nerdy musical joke, which I will tell you about in a second. Oh, I love this. So, and, and which will, I think it'll make the bomb make more sense because otherwise the bomb makes no sense. I mean, I would argue the bomb makes no sense. Get, well, I guess without the piano, do you mean with the piano joke it makes sense? Yes, it makes sense with the the weird piano joke, which I will get to in one second. Okay. But anyway, he's rigging up this bomb where you push it and then you have 45 seconds to get away from the piano because it's going to blow up like something out of Looney Tunes yeah. and leave your ass looking like Wiley e. Coyote. <laughs> like, yeah, and and within like the fiction of the universe, you could very much say like, okay, so you're making a bomb to blow up the piano 45 seconds after you get off stage. Why though? Why? How does that yeah, help what? literally anything? And wouldn't it be alarming to everyone in this in the room? Like, like okay, you know what I love at the concert hall? Explosions. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's high drama. Maybe what he should have done is just done the like the Who thing and just like it was the Who that smashed all the guitars, yes, right? Yes, yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just like. Bring that axe with you. Yeah. Just go to town on it on stage. That, just, that would be just, awesome. Just Jerry Lee Lewis the shit out of this and just start like jumping on the piano and banging on it and like put your foot on it and yeah. like and just kick the shit out of that piano that's caused you so much grief this entire episode. <laughs> yeah. how, it would be cathartic. How was the how was the concert? Oh well beautiful music, really loved it. And then at the end, I saw a grown man <laughs> fight a piano for like Ten minutes. Just it was the coolest thing I've ever seen. I'm a very stuffy person. That shit ruled. He dropped the people's elbow on a piano like four times. So, okay, okay. So, so Jeannie's still stuck in yeah. the filing cabinet, and again, watching this with my husband. And there's like a lot, like a lot of like really high, like high key uh, incidental music going on in the mm-hmm. scenes where Jeannie's stuck in the. The filing cabinet, and she was like, or my husband was like, "Why is the why why is there so much going on with the music right now? It's really like in your yeah. face." And I'm like, "It's because it's a a static shot of right. the filing cabinet because yeah, nothing's happening. Visually. Literally, nothing is happening on screen it except is. a filing cabinet. It's just an empty blinking out of existence. <laughs> it's just, yeah. And, and yeah, and, and apparently, like Jeannie can't get herself out of the filing cabinet." But she can make the filing cabinet move to other places. Yes. So she like blinks the filing cabinet back to her house and is like, Tony, Tony. Yeah. yeah. Which makes me wonder, like, she could have taken her fucking bottle anywhere, apparently. Yeah. Also, what was she going to do when someone came to unlock the filing cabinet? Like, and there's yeah. like a tiny woman in there. Like, what is she going to do? Like, yeah. I thought that they were trying to keep this a secret. And then all of a sudden, you know, like, 
some like major Healy or something, or like no, one of the people that doesn't know about her opens it. There's a genie in there, yeah. like just like oh hey, yeah, what's up? Squeak, squeak. I am a mouse. <laughs> I I was thinking when she was like teleporting the filing cabinet around trying to find Tony that it was like uh the this the formation of Doctor Manhattan and like. Filing cabinets were just randomly appearing in like government <laughs> facilities. At one point, it just appears on the freeway, just causing a seven car pileup. It kind of reminded me in a weird way of like the the obelisk in two thousand one, <laughs> just like popping into existence yes. somewhere. Like, what was that weird? What? <laughs> like, just appears in like a child's bathroom and then disappears, scarring him for life. So, all right. So, piano prodigy Anthony Nelson sits down at the substitute piano they mm-hmm. have like the beautiful grand piano that they have on this by the way extremely rinky dink set of a of a of a yeah. concert stage yeah, it's, <laughs> that it's is l- like not even as big as the concert like the small concert hall at Oberlin. like it, it was just embarrassing but, i think i've seen punk shows with bigger stages yes the, yeah. yeah no it was like the size of like <laughs> kung was, fu neckties yeah he was, like, pl- he was actually playing uh in the basement of the first unitarian church <laughs> yes it was very very much like oh you just invest in some velvet curtains i see yeah. and some more stock footage of a concert hall with uh people applauding so, again so, it's all real... went to the cup budget some some real deep cuts in this episode for the Philadelphia punk scene that yeah. listens to our heart. <laughs> um, so he then does some real to me at least some extremely funny fiddling with the with the yeah. stool, and then someone replaces the stool yeah. with one that is more to his liking, and he sits on it in the most ridiculous possible way, which made me very happy. Yeah, and then this is what I I really thought because he just he doesn't know what to do, so he just like kind of pushes a couple keys and it's very dissonant mm-hmm. and he does it sort of slowly and I'm like, oh, he's a genius. He's going to try to pass himself off as new music, like as like modern classical because th- that was, that to- that sort of stuff totally yeah. existed back then. Like very... Like John, John Cage kind of thing or... Yeah, uh, yeah, basically. Just like, just things that don't sound good in the way that most people think of music as sounding as like what you would hear in a concert hall. But yeah, like very like dissonant stuff, but he gives up after like four notes and he pretends he was like tuning it or something. Or, uh, or he could do the Miles Davis thing of coming out playing one note and then walking off stage and people be like, oh, I'm here to see him think. <laughs> uh yeah, yeah, and then he, like, tries to blame it on the stool. Like, he tries to, like, fuck with the stool to make it look like he's unhappy about that, and they bring a new one out to him way too fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he's, he's just trying to stall for time, and... Then he makes them take away the piano, um, and just kind of, like, sits absentmindedly at a stool. He, he does, like, they think he's doing stage magic, right? Like, yeah, because the filing cabinet appears on stage. Yes. Yeah, it's like, magic? At a piano concert? I never. Like, when the, from the Statler and Waldorf balconies. Yeah, yes. like, ugh, tacky. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, he, like, yells at a filing cabinet, which no one is finding weird. <laughs> like, I, I was just like, oh, this is very modern. Yeah. I see. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't care for this beatnik music. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's he's a tortured genius. The 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 art brings out his madness. Uh, he yells at a filing cabinet for a little bit <laughs> on stage, on stage, yeah, in on front stage. of everybody. Uh, <laughs> and then they bring out the little red piano. He plays it. It starts. I guess going he must r- let her out at some point. If they bring the red piano out, I assume. I didn't see him open the drawer, but it seems like he, she got out somehow. It feels like, yeah, they jumped ahead. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the whole sequence is very hard to follow, honestly. Yeah. 
Yeah, the direction of this kind of breaks down in the last act. Yes. Um. So he starts playing the piano. It goes great. Do you want to tell us about the music that he is playing at all? Okay, here is the reason for... So, like, the he plays the pieces. It sounds like he's done with the concert. And then he... Activates the the forty five second timer on the bomb, yeah. and then sort of like putters mm-hmm. around, and then I guess decides everybody's screaming encore, encore, and he looks panicked because the bomb's yeah. gonna go off. And so, so the joke is, there's a Chopin piece called the Minute Waltz, which yeah. is usually like if you play it at like super super top speed, mm-hmm. uh, like really fast, it'll take a minute. Usually, it'll take like two mm-hmm. minutes or two minutes thirty or, or something like that. Um, uh, but they play it at double time, so it only takes 30 seconds to play the minute waltz, which is the stupid joke, because he had to cram it in, in yeah. the, into the 45 seconds before the bomb went off. So it sounds super ridiculous, because it sounds like Alvin and the Chipmunks piano, right? Yeah. And uh, yes, that is the the uh, joke, and I thought it was extremely funny, and I do not think very many people got it, it frankly. It, it, it is like, um, like, they treat it like he just did, like, like a a one minute mile, they're like he sprinted it. He did it like I. Well, I mean, yeah. If you can yeah. play, if you do the minute waltz in thirty seconds, people are going to to uh, yeah. be very surprised. Yeah, it is not. Yeah, it is definitely a one minute mile. Um, I le- also like that while they were setting up for the musical, he had to wield a new piano out. Uh, Haley just was like, oh, real quick, I gotta put the IED in the piano. We're still going with that plan, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, really, yeah. I know we're really behind on schedule, but we gotta blow up this piano on stage. <laughs> because it rules. And also there was a pretty, that was another line that I thought was really funny is like after he plays this insanely fast yeah. thing, uh, preternaturally fast, like then obviously the piano blows up. Like he's covered, his face is covered in soot, like Wiley e. Coyote. Yeah. Yes. And then, like, everybody in the audience is just looking at one another. And I think one of the military guys says to the other, I guess that piano just couldn't take it. Which I was like, that is a good line. I'm into it. Yeah. That was a very good closing oh, it's line. Such a good, it's such a good capper. Yeah. And also, End of episode. Yeah. Also, Nothing is solved. There's also just a guy in like a, a tuxedo with just a piece of piano jutting out of his chest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I also like that when he's exploded, it is like a Looney Tunes explosion. Yes, it is. Like, his collar is all frayed. It looks like, uh, like, uh... Elmer like Fudd, or, yeah. It looks like Bugs Bunny just plugged up his gun with two <laughs> fingers. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's the fucking episode. It, I think we can say rules? Yeah, no. Yeah, I, I was I, into it. I, I thought it was, you know, pretty good. Yeah. It was better than I expected. Yeah. The disconnect between the quality of this premise and the quality of each episode we've watched is insane. Really? Yeah, I mean, if like they've all been really good from what we've watched. Mm-hmm. And like again, if you told me this premise, I'd be like, "That sounds horrible." Yeah, yeah, I would not think very highly. But yeah, it is just an like, entire premise on uh, built on the idea of like we're gonna fucking ignore the premise. Like, yeah. If we were smart, we would have talked about our rating system in advance. Oh. On our normal Andy Griffith episodes, we do a Barney meter, we do, we do an Andy meter, which is how good is this episode, and we do a FIFO meter, which is how fucking weird and gross is this yeah. episode. I don't think that's gonna be a problem with, uh, with this. So, I think we're just gonna call these magic points. Okay, yeah, that sounds good and not at all crazy. <laughs> that definitely doesn't sound like something you'd give out in a preschool. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about our magic points. Let's talk about our magic points. Do you, you definitely don't want to take a second pass at that? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah, cool, cool. Go with it. 
I like this episode a lot. Uh, we like how do we grade it on quality, on whimsy, on uh, we we could do like uh, I think we could just do like a looser system of like, is this episode good? Is, does this episode rule? Is it good? Does it suck? I think I'm, yeah. I, let, let's just go with let's uh, like go like system. like final thoughts, Emily. What do you think about this episode? Would would you watch more? I dream a genie based on this. I'm probably not going to because I don't. Uh, I do not have time to start a what is it seven season series at the yeah. moment. I tend to be more of a completist, and I'm trying to write another book right now. Yeah. So I am not allowing myself television. But if I were, I might watch another few episodes of that. I don't I, think I, we're doing a rating system I don't think to we're close t- out. I don't think it makes any sense because we have no frame of reference for it. That's fair. It's a fair point. Um, so that means I don't really have a closer for this other than keep on being magical, I guess. <laughs> nope. A nope. better show would nope. have figured out these nope. things before nope. having a guest in the studio. <laughs> would have figured out. All right. So, All right, close, so, out. so close out. Uh, Emily, <laughs> Emily Gindelsberger, where can people find you and your work and stuff that you do on the Internet? And where can we get copies of your book? Um, you can get ideally copies of the book at your local independent bookstore because they do uh, need your support to be able to uh, keep up with Amazon and Amazon sells most of its mm-hmm. new books for like 45% profit or, or mm-hmm. not 45, like 45 cents profit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so independent bookstores who, who have to sell it uh, mm-hmm. at a slightly hard, higher margin. Uh, it's really hard for them to keep up. I would, if, if you, uh, just go buy it at a bookstore that's close to you. And you get a human experience. And that. you get a human experience. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I would uh, or get it from your library. I don't care. As yeah. long as I would just like people to read it. Hmm. It's, a, it's important literature that the people need to know about. Yeah, yeah. and I say fuck yeah. a lot. It's, Perfect. It's, that is a huge plus that you should have led with. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, it, I've gotten some interesting, uh, like, I, I can't seem to, like, get reviewed anywhere, which is irritating. But, like, all my, like, Goodreads reviews, like... There's like a bunch of them that are just like, well, I would take this more seriously if she didn't say fuck so much. And I was like, well, or like F star CK so much. I'm just like, y'all, I'm writing about poverty and desperation. Yeah. Like, fuck you. And, yeah. and honestly, like, that's one of the things I like about it is it's a very like, it's a very informative, but all, but almost informal kind of read. Yeah. Like, it, yeah, it, nobody's going to read Like, that's the thing. People don't read books that aren't fun to read. Yeah. It I is, spent it is 15 years figuring out how to make things fun. And I did this myself specifically so that I could write about it in a funny way. Cause you can't write about mm. other people's like horrible experiences at work in a funny way. You can do that if it's you. Yeah. So. And I feel like they just from that wanted to put like the cold, emotionless detachment. So that it's, like, less real. Like, if you show emotion about this stuff and, yeah. like, say fucking things like that, then it's, like, it's real. And they want it to be, like, like just a, a clinical study yes. in this shit. Fuck that. I'm just like, yeah, you wouldn't have read it if, yeah. if it was a clinical study. Let's be honest here. Yeah. So that's it. Emily Gindelsberger, thank you for being on the show. Uh... Thank you to Brothers Rye, who is still going to be our music for this because I don't want to bother getting another musician for this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, you know where to find us if you want to support us for some reason get us uh, patreon.com slash breaking mayberry um, if you want to find us on the internet uh, facebook.com slash breaking mayberry email us at breaking mayberry at gmail.com on the internet I am at schneid remarks I'm at the luds two d's the show is at break mayberry Emily you got any socials uh, yeah Emily G on twitter e-m-i-l-y-g-e-e 
All right. And that is all of this. So from all of us here at Breaking Mayberry colon bottle episodes, remember, you can't put that genie back in the bottle. Fuck that. <laughs>